listening to the Pokes Report podcast. Zach Lancaster here alongside Brian Murphy. We're coming, you, to, we're coming to you from Hideaway. Well, I was going to say, do you do you mind? Do you mind if I do my no, best, Larry Reese? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, go here for we it. go. Go for it's it. time to get Hideaway Pizza <laughs> rocking. <laughs> oh, Larry Reese joins us. And I appreciate you uh, for uh, – it's such a crazy week, so I appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day to join us. Yeah, before we came on the air, I told you guys the craziest week of the year is right here, and it's because you're just – you're getting ramped up for Cowboy mm-hmm. football. Uh, we've already had soccer going on, but Cowboy football is just such a, uh, a big undertaking. There's so many moving parts. Uh, so much goes into it. I mean, uh, uh, we've come a long way in just the uh, entertainment aspect of it, so there's that as well. But uh, And being sold out helps a lot too. So uh, a lot going on. I always feel better after game one because we kind of get in a rhythm. You know, everybody's got their tickets. Hopefully mm-hmm. they've got their parking. I mean, that's a lot of what I deal with now because, you know, I'm, I'm – deal with donors and and uh, so they'll call me and say hey I, I don't know where my tickets are hey this is missing or I don't think I got the right parking spot so my my staff we deal a lot with that but it's a busy week but it's also an exciting week because the town's back alive everybody's excited we're all undefeated so it's the best time of the year to to be optimistic and and uh, get things going but uh, I'm ready I'm ready for game day what is it ever yeah campus was alive oh, on the man. way over here it was I, awesome yeah. to see I don't want to dive too deeply into the ins and the outs of the transfer portal or anything like that but did you ever think we'd get to this week I mean you you go back just a handful of months and it seemed like the football program wasn't going to be playing it was they were going to cancel everything (laughs) all the coaches needed to be fired the world was ending the sky was falling and now all of a sudden we're what four days away depending on when you're listening to this you know anytime between four and and the day of game day and you know they're fixing to suit up yeah, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, we went through a lot last year. I mean, more injuries than I've ever seen a football oh, team have. It was insane. So it feels like we we fell off a cliff, but it was really because of injuries. I mean, they could only do so much with smoke and mirrors. I mean, uh, you look at it and you're undefeated. You're beating TCU mm-hmm. uh, soundly. What were we up 17 at the end of the third or toward right. the end of the third quarter? And then it fell apart. You come back, though, and you beat Texas here. You're like, okay, we've righted the ship. We'll be all right. But then the injuries just kept adding up and. Bam, fell off the edge. And, we talked and about that what, two weeks ago. I mean, you, after Texas, you're top ten in just about every statistical yep. category. Oh, yeah. You're Rolling. ranked in the top ten. Everything's still out in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you should have beaten TCU. You should should still be undefeated and probably in the top five, but it, it didn't work out that way. And TCU ended up having a dream season, yeah. and they can probably thank us for that with that comeback. But and to your point, they weren't injured. Yeah, TCU right, had their healthy. whole you, offensive They had a line. dream season because they didn't have major, major, a bunch of major injuries. But uh, but then you go on further, and you've mentioned transfer portal, and you end up with, what, 16 guys leaving. Mm-hmm. And every time that happens, it feels like uh, somebody broke up with you. You know, you remember back in junior high when your girlfriend broke up with you. It, it feels mm-hmm. kind of like that right. because you're like, how can they want to leave this place? And so – our, our fan base kind of falls apart at that point, and you see it all on Twitter. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. No, you're – But then, uh, you know, everybody kind of falls apart, and then, uh, you know, you think the world is ending. Let's fire everybody and give our coaches credit because they went out and found 16 really good guys. Yeah. They feel like they got better at almost every position. I've heard Gundy say that. I've heard Dunn say that. And uh, then you had a, a really strong recruiting class. And uh, talking to our strength and conditioning coaches, and they're the nerve center of any athletic department, they spend more time with our student-athletes than anybody, right? I've never seen our strength and conditioning coaches so positive about a team 
uh, they just feel like the the freshmen that have come in are great kids and they're really working hard. And the 16 guys in the portal that came in are really good. We hit home runs with those guys. And so it gets you kind of jazzed up for this season. Well, OSU has always lost anywhere between 12 and 15, 16, 17 guys to the portal. That You go through every year, and that's how it always is. It just doesn't all happen in a 12-hour period. You know, it happens over the course of two to three months. And now you did lose some, you know, some pretty good caliber players. There's no, no doubt. There's no question. But if you look at a handful of those guys that transferred, they're not starting. You know, they're in the right. two deep, the three deep. There are backups. And you look at the guys they brought in, I, I think there's some really big improvements at a lot of those positions. And I'm, I'm really excited about this year. And, and that's that kind of leads me to my next question. I, I talked to you. I wanted to ask you about the transfer portal, not the ins and the outs and who they go out and get, but. And I, and I think the question kind of answers itself in the fact that they have sold out their season ticket allotment. There's a lot of excitement around this year. <laughs> but is it difficult to try and go out and, you know, quote-unquote recruit donors or get people to buy season tickets and donate money when you have, I don't want to say tumultuous, but, you know, kind of a rocky offseason that we did? Is that social media bluster or, you know, is are there challenges to going out there and doing that? I, I think there are challenges, but I think our people are pretty resilient. you got to remember, my first year here, we were 10 and one and we still had a rock-solid 20,000 that would come to those games. And so, even back then, it was always next year's our year. Mm-hmm. So, even though you were upset that a bunch of guys left us and you're like, oh, my gosh, Trace Ford went to OU. What are you kidding me? And and all those things, and you feel like it's the end of the world. Our people are resilient, and they turn it back around. But then and, when they So, start, loyal and true is absolutely I, I, accurate. I do think loyal and true is there, but I do think social media makes it worse because mm-hmm. there's no accountability, really, on social media. So, you just say whatever you want, and you throw people under the bus, and sometimes it's a little too much to flip through on Twitter or X or whatever we call it now and all those things, Facebook. And, and so, I do think it's a lot of just social media blunder, but – it does hurt for a while, and then you got to get over it, and then you got to listen to our coaches and say, "Man, they feel like we brought some really good guys in." And then, and then you hear them talking about how we're changing the run game, we're going back old school, like what we used to do. And then you say, you hear them say, "We're getting the tight end back in the game, cowboy backs out, we're going tight end, we're going to have fullbacks," and that gets you excited. I went to the scrimmage a couple of weekends ago and uh, watched two uh, down the down the seam passes to our tight end Ian Edenfield, actually mm-hmm. one of the big guys, supposed to be the blocker. He got two touchdowns in that scrimmage, so it, it, it kind of gets you fired up because we've had a really good success with tight ends here, and, and I think we've missed it, says Blake Jarwin. And the worst thing about the what at least what happened this past year is everything did happen at once, like Zach said, and it, but it takes so long to replace that. Um, you know, those guys leave on on one day, two days. Well, it takes the coaching. Okay, now they got to know how many numbers it takes to to yeah. replace those guys, and then go find them, and, and then they got to wait the portal, and, wait yeah. to see who gets in the portal. You know, right? Yeah. So, and that's the that's the that is the tough part about the portal. So, going into every year, at what point do you start trying to memorize the the roster so you can <laughs> so you can say it because like it's right new now. guys. Is it right, but is it right now, but if it's <laughs> if it's not, you know, transfer portal, it's seniors leaving, freshmen coming in, and. One of the first things I learned was it's so important. You lose credibility quicker if you uh, if you uh, don't know the pronunciations or if you mispronounce something, you're going to lose credibility in a hurry. So I, even when I was just doing public address, uh, you know, at my high school, I knew you better go find a mom somewhere or a coach somewhere and get those down. So it is important to do that. Now, I'm not going to tell you I started a month ago. About a week ago, you know, Orange Power Studios needed me to come over 
and uh, and go through our two deep uh, who could be starting. So on the scoreboard, we can uh, introduce them, and that's me doing that. So I went over and recorded that. And what's neat now is used to even last year, I would call Sean McGuire in our media relations office, say, "Hey, how you say this kid? And what, uh, what this hometown? How do you say it?" And now there is an app mm-hmm. actually that you can go to, and you can listen to the guys tell you who they are and how to say their name and their hometown. And so you just hit on any of them, or you could just go through the whole roster. So I sat in my office and listened to the whole roster, and then I went over, and if I had a question, couldn't quite remember I said it, I just paused for a second, and they played it for me, and then I said, uh, you know, that uh, that name and threw it out there. So it's a little easier now than it used to be. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. I got two questions. Okay. One, what is the toughest name to pronounce right now on the roster. Oh, on the roster, man! Yeah. I, if I if I had to memorize, I would tell you. You know, it's going to be uh, someone uh, uh, from Hawaii, most mm-hmm. likely. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah. I still remember Sione Fine Feuiaki. That was a good one. And, there and you know what? You go. I wanted him to get more playing time because Dave Hunziker and I had worked our tails off. Yeah. We were ready for Sione Fine Feuiaki, and and uh, now I don't. I I mean, I don't know. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'm, <laughs> Here you I'm go. I'm have to I find now. Number, he wants me. Yeah. Number thirty-seven. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Swierzynski, I think. I don't think it's as tough as it looks. Seth Swierzynski, I think, is what it was. That's pretty good. That one's not too bad, but there's a couple of Polynesians on there that are a little yeah. bit uh, different. But, uh, you know, if you th- the Polynesians, they kind of, it's every, every you know, uh, syllable has, yep. uh, you know, so you just got to kind of concentrate on that. But I did learn years ago, too, the first game I ever called in Gallagher-Iber Arena for the men under Eddie Sutton uh, was the Lithuanian national team. And I was a young pup. I was a student on campus, and I remember going over to uh, the little translator that was with their team, the Lithuanian team. I kept going, say this one again. And and uh, she would tell me. About the third time I went over to her, she's kind of rolling her eyes like I'm a dumb American. And I was just trying. By the time the game started, my head was pounding because I was <laughs> really concentrated. And what I've learned is as long as you don't stutter, people think you're speaking Russian or whatever language it is. So don't stutter. The only people who may know are mom and dad and the kid themselves. But uh, I do try to get them right, and I'll uh, I'll study our guys a little harder as we get closer to Saturday. And, and luckily I've got that app. If I really have a question, I can go listen to it real quickly and uh, and throw it out there. So life's a little easier. Now I need you to put your thinking cap on this one. Yeah. What has been the funnest and most challenging name over the years? Funnest and most challenging name might have been Sione that I just mentioned. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, uh, the funnest it, was probably Des Bryant. You get to call it a lot. Yeah, you know, uh, and this isn't this isn't football, but I sure loved saying Randy Rutherford That's and just letting one. it roll out there. And uh, he's one of my close friends and the best shooter I've ever seen in my life. He was so, so Randy Rutherford was is the reason I started watching anything OSU because yeah. it would come on TV. I was a you know a young buck at that point, but I fancied myself an outside shooter. Yeah, but nobody. He shot like Randy. I mean, that guy, he could shoot from the pistol Pete on our court. He was a sooner killer, just like his best friend, Brooks Thompson. And so those days, I just remember them so well. And and I've, you've heard me tell the story about, about that same time with uh, Big Country. The first year I'm doing it, and we ought to talk about this guy for a minute. Steve Buzzer just retired after 40 yep. years with OSU. He retired Friday. He he hired me years ago as a student, and it was funny because I was on campus, only been here a semester or something, and he's looking for somebody to call cowgirl basketball games, right? I don't even think Dr. Ed Paula knows my name, even though I'm in his class, but when uh, when Steve uh, called over to say, do you have any students who'd want to do women's basketball? 
um, he, uh, Dr. Ed Pollan, to my surprise, didn't know my name, and he said, yeah, you need to talk to Larry Reese. He's done some games in Miami, Oklahoma. And so uh, he, uh, Dr. Pollan called me and says, you need to go over and see Steve Buzzard. And I'm like, okay. So I go to see Steve, and, and uh, Steve's from Quapa, Oklahoma, which is about, I don't know, eight, nine minutes from my hometown of Miami. So we hit it off northeast Oklahoma. Steve is such a great, really is a great man, just a good person. And uh, we hit it off, and he didn't even try me out. He said, you've done this? I said, yeah, I used to call games in my hometown. I've done radio in my hometown. So I got some experience in a small town. That's kind of one of the benefits of a small town. And Steve just gave me the job doing cowgirl basketball. And back then, there might be 300 people at that game. Well, he liked what I did. And so the next year, he wanted me to do football and men's basketball. And I'm glad I'm getting to talk about Steve since he just retired because I owe him so much. So it was such a political move to do that because uh, there was a faculty member that had been doing basketball for 20 years and a faculty member that had been doing football for 25 years. So, of course, when the word gets to them that they're making a change and this student's going to start doing it, they didn't like it. One of them, Chuck Shelsky, uh, ended up calling President Campbell at the time. And President Campbell says, well, let me check into it. So he calls Steve Buzzard, like the president of the university, doesn't have something else uh, that they ought to be doing. But Steve's like, hey, I just don't think they can do what I think this kid can do. And just uh, we want to bring more energy and so he gave Chuck one more week, and he still did it like he did it. So the next week, it was uh, it was my turn. I finally got the chance to do it. I became the first uh, uh, student to get to be on the mic for OSU for, for men's and women's or men's and women's basketball and football. And the funny thing was, and I'll throw Steve under the bus a little bit. I told this the other day. He allowed Chuck Shelsky to still sit in the booth with me. Well, Chuck Shelsky wasn't a fan of this student, so he <laughs> I promise you for two years, Chuck was waiting, hoping I would fall out of the press box so he could take over again. But after two years, he became a friend of mine, and he became part of my team, and he would yell, Larry, that's a 49-yard punt and a seven-yard return. So, yeah, you know, and I would report that to everybody. He became part of our unit there. I've got, you know, three spotters, and then I had him down there doing that. So it was kind of a funny deal. But anyway, I owe a lot to Steve Buzzard, and I think the OSU family owes a lot to Steve Buzzard because you remember Steve not only was the SID that really pushed uh, the Barry Sanders, and you had to promote Barry Sanders mm -hmm. back then. We weren't – we're not a blue blood – and even though he was setting records left and right, you know, there was, what, a Troy Aikman and a Rodney Pete and different guys out there that were getting a lot more visibility and media coverage. So Steve really had to work. And so Barry gets the Heisman that year. I'm not saying Steve earned it for him, but Steve worked for him, right? But then, and he's done a lot of that, promoted Eddie Sutton through the years, had great people that he brought through uh, the media relations office, used to be Sports Info. But uh, Steve also had to be the face after the plane crash in 2001. He had to be the one in front of the media, and I still can see his face, and you could see how it was wearing on him. But he was the guy out there representing OSU and, and kind of pulling us all together and helping us get through that. And I think that crash, guys, really is when we became the OSU family. When you talk to people like Dick Sorgo, my buddy, way back in the 50s, and Bob Fenimore back in the 40s, they always said that the people have always been greater. It's always been the friendliest place on earth the greatest people, but I think because of tragedies, we've become the OSU family, and I just want to give a shout-out to Steve Buzzard because he did yeoman's work uh, to get us through that time. Well, it, you brought up the tragedy. What was what was that time like for you? Uh, how did how did that news come to you, and, you know, you had to uh, MC or, or be the, the PA voice of the next home game, and yeah. it was very high emotions. Yeah, I mean – uh, that was the most difficult period in my life, there's no doubt, because uh, seven of those ten guys I called friends, uh, and we used to run around. Pat Noyes, he was always the the, uh, the leader of the band that was getting us together to play a pickup game in Gallagher-Iba, and, and uh, you know, Will Hancock would play with us as well, and 
Bill Teagans was a mentor of mine. And the last conversation I had with Bill Teagans, uh, he's like, Larry, I'm going to quit TV and come to work for you. I was running the Cowboy Radio Network at the time for Learfield. I said, well, you're going to take a heck of a pay cut. And he's laughing. <laughs> and we're in Gallagher-Iba. And, and he goes, I just, he goes, I love this so much. He goes, don't ever let me screw this up. And he pointed at his chair. And I've always taken a little solace that he died doing what he loves, but yep. he died way too young. One of the greatest people I've ever known. I mean, one of the best uh, broadcasters. You know, that first year he was a little rough, but, man, did he become good at play-by-play for Oklahoma State. And just that whole group. And then, of course, Daniel Lawson was just coming into his own. And Nate Fleming was the cheerleader on the bench that everybody went crazy for when he got in because the yep. Cowboys were up enough. And I just think about what those guys were going to And Jared Weiberg, would, I mean, he'd be a head coach somewhere right now. I think Pat Noyes would too. So uh, going to seven funerals, it was just draining. And then you ask about that, uh, that first game and just the emotions of all of it. And I took a chance on the PA that night. I didn't ask for permission. I just said, tonight, uh, remembering our fallen 10 will prove once again that this is the rowdiest arena in the country and the place just went nuts and they never stopped. And that, I believe, is the greatest uh, game I've ever seen in that arena because the crowd, even though all those guys were worn out, Mo Baker and TC, all those guys were worn out, but uh, Frederick Yanzian, Vic, uh, all those guys, they wouldn't let them lose. And that crowd made such a difference. And that's the most important win I've ever seen on any playing surface and because uh, our people needed it, but Eddie Sutton and his team needed it, and those families really needed it. So I haven't, I haven't told this story a lot, and I don't think my dad's told a lot, but he, uh, he helped run a cleaning company that was in charge of the cleanup, the construction cleanup when they expanded Gallagher. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so uh, that first game after the, uh, after the opening, uh, they're wiping seats down and getting everything ready to go, and uh, Dad was like, okay, so have you, has anyone gone to the suite area and cleaned seats up there? And everyone's like, no, we forgot all about it, and they're fixing to open the doors. So Dad sprints up there, gets on the elevator, and he's running out of the elevator around a corner, and boom, just smashes right into Bill Deegan's. <laughs> Papers <laughs> flying everywhere, feet are flying everywhere, and Dad is mortified because, first of all, He's knocked someone on the ground. Yeah. Second then, of all, and then it's Bill Tiggins. He's like, oh, my, Mr. Tiggins, I'm so, so, I'm so. And Bill's laying there laughing and picking up oh, papers. Yeah. And, yeah, it was, uh, it was the, a great moment. The best thing about Bill Tiggins was he, he had no ego. And that's rare in TV. It's rare yeah. in media. It's rare in life. But, I mean, any time you're around him, he would immediately turn the con- – he, he could run into one of our custodians, and he would be like, hey, what's happening? He'd probably know their name, and he would ask about their family. He never made it about uh, himself, and I, I learned that from him. I mean, he just one of the best people I've ever seen. You asked me how I found out. I'd been out of town with some buddies over to NSU. We had uh, the Gibson brothers were coaches for men's and women's uh, basketball over there, and we would go over, a bunch of us from Miami, because they used to both be at NEO, and we would go support them and play basketball on their court the night before and, and you know go out and sing karaoke, whatever we'd do. I'm on my way home from Tahlequah, and I get a call from my buddy Rick Davenport. He was a banker here in town from Fairland, Oklahoma. And he says, man, I hear one of the planes went down. There's a problem with one of the planes. I'm like, no way. I get in town, immediately go to the airport. I'm the uh, – <coughs> I think I'm the uh, second person there. Of course, Marty Sargent's, uh, you know, going to be one of our longtime senior associate athletic directors is going to be the first guy there, right, because he's, uh, he's in charge of worrying. I get there. Uh, next up is Les Miles and his wife, Kathy, Marilyn Middlebrook. We all collect there. And you got to remember that the two uh, the two other planes got there, and everybody dispersed. Coach Sutton went to the office, and uh, everybody went to their rooms or whatever. 
So we're all sitting there as members of the athletic department in some form or fashion trying to figure out who we lost, right? So Michael Noteware, who you know from media relations, and now he's working in academics, he and I start writing down who we think could be there, who we couldn't confirm was home, right? So then we start walking through the parking lot, and if we could uh, confirm you were there, we'd mark your name out. I mean, that you had gotten home. If somebody would call and say, yeah, you know, uh, Steve Sosa made it home. Okay, thank goodness Sosa's okay. But then if uh, we saw your car, we knew that we weren't ever going to see you again, most likely, when we figured out it was a plane crash. And then I'm calling Pat Noyes' phone. I'm calling uh, I'm calling Bill Teagan's phone. I'm calling Joe Riddle, who didn't make the trip that night because he had something come up at work. So, uh, you know, he asked uh, Kendall. Uh, Durfee to make the trip for him. So he's going, Larry, I guarantee you Bill Teagans was on that flight because he would be going back with uh, the pilot to Oklahoma City. And so we just were trying to deduce who we're not going to see again. And, and uh, that was a rough night, no doubt. So the the various expansions of arenas that, that, that you've seen, Gallagher, I guess, sorry, Gallagher, Iba, yep. Boone Pickens Stadium, when you when you first hear your voice echo in the new arena, what's that what's that kind of like for you? And uh, and and what have those what have those meant to the other part of your job, the donations, the that that part? You know, um, luckily Gallagher Iba, we were all worried that it would sound different, but uh, we were able to keep the slope of the seats. So I don't know that it sounds different in that. It's still. Everybody's on top of it. You know, Coach Sutton used to say the reason it's so intimidating, even in the smaller arena, was our fans were so close that they could mm-hmm. reach out and pull the hair on the opponent's legs. He said, that's intimidation, yeah. you know. And, and it is that everybody's on top of it. Uh, and so I, don't, I didn't notice a change. I was so thankful that it was still rowdy, the rowdiest arena in the country when it's packed. And, gosh, I hope we get back to that. I mean, it's such a difference maker. And it was so much fun for those 16 years under Coach Sutton. So I hope we get back to that. I'll tell a quick story about, uh, you know, we've had a renaissance period here on our campus. That's where I was going to And I, go I was next. so proud of the fact that it started with athletics. And it, and, and it really started with Terry Don Phillips, who was our athletic director, who went on to fame at Clemson by hiring Dabo Sweeney. Heck of a choice there, right? It worked out. I think that worked out okay. Yeah, I think he bit. did all right. And, and that's an interesting story in its own that he just, you know, he picks a position coach that he just notices that every position player is attracted to. They want to come over and be with Dabo Sweeney, and he just saw that. He said, that guy's a leader. I'm going to pick him. That was, it was a heck of a chance for an AD at Clemson to take. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just saw it, and look how it worked out. And I love how Dabo Sweeney, when he won his first championship, first thing he did was say, there's one guy i got to thank. And Terry Don had retired by that point, but he thanked Terry Don. I'll get back to Terry Don for us, though, right? He came in here as a visionary from Arkansas. He sounded like a Texan, Arkansan, Okie, <laughs> I mean, just as hick as they could be. But, man, I loved working for him, and he had vision. <clears throat> but he also had a long list of people who wanted to get in to watch Eddie Sutton basketball, right? So he had the demand. And so he said, we're going to build it here at Oklahoma State. And people thought this hick – from wherever he's from, is crazy. It's not going to happen. We can't do that here. We had, we had, uh, you know, uh, the smallest arena in the conference. We had a rusty old stadium that our, you know, our friends down south made fun of with Rustolium Stadium. Uh, you had, you had a uh, track with potholes in it that I always joke around. Bo, Oklahoma wouldn't be proud of, right? I mean, we had all of our <laughs> facilities were kind of getting dilapidated, right? But Terry Don said, "No, we're going to do it," and we borrowed most of it. 
Walt Helmrich gave us two or two point five million. That was really the only philanthropy. And then, you know, people, I think we did do a, a seat upgrade charge and things like that, but they did the use tax here in town, and then they did the fee on the students, which helped. But really, we borrowed a lot of it. We're still paying on a lot of it. But if we don't do that, then the mindset doesn't change at Oklahoma State. And what happened right after we opened that, Boone Pickens said, all right, let's do football. Here's $20 million, the largest gift we'd ever received, right? Here's 20 Oh, my, here we go. And then. Harry Birdwell put a team of fundraisers together for the first time. I was lucky enough to be a part of it. Uh, uh, Chad Weiberg ends up getting engaged. His wife pulls him away to K-State. We thought they were coming here. That's another story. The moving truck was heading here, but Kansas State wanted to keep her in the Alumni Association, and they wanted to get Chad Weiberg up there, and it worked out. I'm glad he's home. But, uh, man, it was a surprise to us. But, anyway, I took Chad's place on the fundraising team. First time we ever had a team, we got out on the road. We raised $104 million from a whole bunch of people. And first time that kind of campaign had ever happened. And then what happened? Boone Pickens said, here's $165 million. You're doing great, but it's not fast enough. I'm 80-some years old. Let's go. And we did the football stadium. And he thought when he gave the 165, it would stunt our growth. But what it did was inspire people like Mike and Ann Greenwood to help tennis, like Neil Patterson to help soccer, and eventually uh, the Obrates uh, to help uh, with uh, baseball. That was a little further down the road, but it's still that inspiration still there. It's still working today. The Griners stepped up with the cross-country course. We've had uh, parents of some of our riders help with equestrian. It's just been uh, a tremendous – and what I'm proud of is what started in athletics has filtered over to campus, yeah. and you see what's happening on our campus. If you went to school here 20 years ago, and you hadn't been back in 20 years, and you show up now, you're like, oh, my gosh, I do not wreck. Yeah. Well, you, it's amazing, and there's a lot of credit owed to a lot of people, but we never talk about the fact that uh, Terry Don started it, having the guts to say we're going to do it, and borrowing all that, and Eddie Sutton being here to, 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 for there to be a reason to do it. Well, you know, well, we started this whole thing off, and you're, you're talking 0-10-1. You know, yeah. there's there's charred jersey buried under the, the yeah. wrestling room, and you know the rest. What was that? Ninety one. Ninety one, ninety two, something like that. I mean, I I remember living on North Hester as a kid, in you know pretty much the middle of the track area, and walking the two blocks up to the stadium, and you seeing the rust on the underside, and then obviously you know they just went through and and ripped out the north side, but there was still some rust and all this stuff. But you know, you look at you look at those facilities. You talk about that now. All of a sudden, you've got a what sixty some odd million dollar baseball stadium. You look at this football arena, uh, football stadium, basketball arena, uh, softball. I'm fully convinced softball is going to get a new facility within the next five years. And then, you know, obviously you look at Neil Patterson. You look at the upgrades to Karsten going on right now, the music school, the tennis center, the business school. I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous. And it's not done. I mean, it's, no. it, what's crazy is I'm glad it's not done. That's job absolutely. security in my absolutely. world. Absolutely. Uh, well, then you, you, you know they announced the massive, massive upgrades. You know, uh, in the spring, you know, wrestling's going to get upgraded. Gallagher's going to get upgraded eventually. I mean, they're yeah. it's on down the line, but they're going to build the human performance and football facility, and and that to me, I think, I I think that's the craziest thing. Yeah. Uh, and and not in a bad way, but when you think about Boone Pickens and you look at how incredible incredible that stadium is and the upgrades that go into it constantly and here's Mike Gundy and here's Chad Weiberg saying you know what we're going to build a human performance center half of it's going to be football offices we're going to have locker rooms over there we're going to have weight rooms over there and I'm sitting in the I'm sitting in the west end zone in this press conference going what are y'all talking about we're in a 15 million dollar theater room you're going to move across the street but it's crazy to see just how quick and how much Oklahoma State has grown and continues to grow. well and what's crazy about it now is before 
people were like, this Terry Don Phillips is crazy. Mm-hmm. We can't do it. And now they're just like, when are you going to get it done? I mean, the mindset has shifted that much to where and we're they don't have any years. doubt. Yeah, it's really 20 years yeah. of this happening and and uh, 23 years or so now. And and the mindset now is not – now it's almost like they're impatient with it. It's like, Larry, when are you going to get that wrestling facility done? Yeah. Larry, when, what's up with human performance? When are they going to start? And Softball, so the mindset totally on? changed, but yeah. that's for a good thing. And I like what Chad says. Chad says, we have a chance to be the leader of this new Big 12 conference. We have to go out and prove it. On the field, and we have, but we're not sitting here saying, "Hey, we've got the best facilities right now." We're saying we got to move the bar because people are going. There's already major campaigns announced by the four schools we brought in. There's other schools that are trying. They're trying to catch up to us. We can't let them. We can't just sit here and let them catch up to us if we want to be the leader of the new Big Twelve Conference. So we've got to keep moving. Yeah, Larry, what are game days like for you? You've got you have the dual role, okay, of of selling sweets, but also being the PA voice. Yeah. What are, what are game days like for you? You, you know what? Uh, it, it, I love it because, you know, I get to go around and just shake hands, say thanks to people. The good news is we've got 123 suites. They're all sold. We've got all the club seats sold. So it's not like I'm selling right now. All I'm doing is thanking people. And my staff, we're out there doing that. Sometimes I'll get Chad Weiberg, and we'll just go around and try to see as many suite holders as we can. Maybe before that, we're down in the parking lot shaking some hands at some of the Really good tailgates and just saying hi to some of our key people that mean so much to us. And uh, uh, so that's a lot of fun. And then I try to get in the booth about an hour beforehand and uh, just get ready because, you, you know, I'm going to have to start announcing some things. And let's just get all our ducks in a row and my, you know, my spotters show up and, and we chat for just a minute. And then, you know, uh, our media relations guys will bring someone from the visitors. So Central Arkansas, they'll bring someone down to me and I'll go through their entire rosters and make notes on my card. And then it's time to go, and, uh, you know, we just bring Pistol Pete out on the field, and we're off and running from there. Can you explain to him at that point, like, listen, you're going to hear visitors a lot. I'm talking about you guys. <laughs> I don't really bring it up. Uh, you know, it's so funny that that went away for 10 years. But, uh, you know, because even Texas, when they showed up one year, when they got used to me doing that, they had these uh, burnt orange buttons that said visitor. Yep, I remember that. And one of the guys, uh, a couple of the guys looked for me at Eskimo Joe's. Like, they said, you're the announcer. And I go, yeah. And he go, you got to have one of these. And they gave me one. Of, they thought it was hilarious. That's, That's cool. awesome. But the reason it went away, and, and Zach's heard me say this, is that uh, one year I had there was a lady from Colorado that had come to town with her buffaloes. And uh, she wrote a letter to Coach Holder just saying, man, the city was great. It's a beautiful campus. Uh, the stadium is unbelievable, but that damn announcer cannot remember <laughs> who you're playing, and it is so rude. And so he, Coach Holder came in and he goes, Larry, he threw the letter at me, and I read it, and I laughed. And Why do you do that? I said, well, Coach, it's always just been a cue for our people to get off their duffs because it's home field advantage, and it's third down. we gotta get, uh, we got to get the ball back. Hmm, I don't know if that's good sportsmanship. I said, it's not a pejorative. It's not a negative. I said, we used to put visitor up on the scoreboard. Speaking the truth. It's not a negative. I'm not calling him some negative name. I'm just saying third down and ten for the visitors or whatever. Hmm. So then every time I'd pass Coach Holder in the hallway, he'd be like, the visitors, I don't know about that. So we'd have another conversation about it. And this went on for a couple of months. Finally, it kind of died down. I'm like, all right, I got past it. The next year, the Nebraska Cornhuskers came to town. And uh, two guys wrote a letter. They were probably together. Basically, same thing. Town's beautiful. Campus is unreal. Can't believe you took care of our Huskers uh, by feeding them up on the on the club level. That was great. And 
you know, but that damn announcer can't remember who the heck you're playing. And if you can't find an announcer that's smart enough to remember who you're playing, you need to get a new. And so coach came in, he threw the two letters down. I read him. He goes, I don't think you should do it anymore. I was like, coach, it's just a cue for our fans. I've been doing it for 15 years. So it went away for 10 years. And so what happened uh, when Coach Holder retired, I was kind of thinking, I'm just bringing it back. And uh, the marketing crew, they're like, we got to get Larry to get the visitors back now that Coach Holder has retired. So they actually went, unbeknownst to me, and talked to Chad Weiberg, and they said, can Larry say visitors again? And Chad goes, absolutely. So it was back. Chad so, probably said he stopped. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, he knew he knew the story. Cause so I'm sitting Chad and I've been friends for a long time. He sure. knew the story. So I'm sitting in the press box, and it's – what I think 2015 was my first year, so I had about six years of no visitors. Yeah, right. And but I I know I knew the story. I remember hearing visitors and how yeah. like it it almost turns the fan level up just a little bit. That's all it's for. 2021. Yeah. Uh, let's see. It was uh, it would have been uh, Missouri State. Yeah, we're sitting in the booth. And it was like third down, upcoming for the and like he says it yeah. for the visitors, <laughs> and everyone in the booth kind of goes. Wait a second. And we like we all looked at each other. We all turned around. It's like, did he did he just say that? No, no, he could he, he could not. No, 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 good enough. Next drive, third down for the visitors, and we're like, oh my, it's back, it's back. Oh, and yeah. it was, and you could feel like I, I'm kind of getting goosebumps talking about yeah. it now, because that wasn't a great game. That yeah. was now I'll give Missouri State a lot of credit. Yeah. They were a good good football team. Yeah, and there was a lot of worry for the first two or three games for Oklahoma State, and then you had that big touchdown run by Jalen Warren yeah. at Boise State, and the rest is history. But you felt the energy in the stadium yeah. when that happened, and it's not well, negative, but it was well, just and, it's crazy. And, and that's not something I just – I just it just happened one game, and I did it, and it kind of caught on, and I'd been doing it for 15 years. So I will admit that I missed it. I hated having to say, third down and 10, upcoming. I was just mm-hmm. like, Ugh, yeah. <laughs> so the cue is to get off your duffs. That's all it's about. Yeah. It's not a negative. I'm not calling them a bad name. I'm just saying, but so I am glad it's back, and it'll be back on Saturday. Well, Dallas. and can I'm we, glad you can we put the visitors back up on the scoreboard. I like then? that. Oh, Let's I think do we that. Should yeah, I think so? Well, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I'm going to write a letter. Why don't you write a letter? That's right. I will all write a letter. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I did want to talk 21. You know, when you when you start that season, there was a lot of doubt and a lot of worry because. You know, you're struggling to get past Tulsa and you're struggling to get past Missouri State and Boise State was – I think a lot of people gave a pass for Boise State. It's a tough place to play. They're a good opponent. But that, that run by Jalen Warren – I was at that game, by the way. You were. I you was. did go. And to me, I mean, that just – it seems such like, – like such an unlikely season. Uh, yeah. It was one thing after the other. And then, you know, that was like the penultimate defense with Jim Knowles. And, and uh. you look at those players. Um, came out today, uh, Jason Taylor made the roster for the, the Los Angeles Absolutely. Rams. That guy That's massive. Hawk. You know, yeah. you go back to the Texas game, and he returns that 70-some-odd-yard pick six. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I love how the nation found out about Malcolm Rodriguez. We already knew. Malcolm yeah. Rodriguez, that was yeah. the, the breakout there. But you look at those guys. I mean, Amen Bamiga. You know, I mean, he was he was gone, and, and we were worried about that, and here comes Devin Harper. Yeah. You know, and he's I, – I, I haven't seen the, the news. Has he stuck with Dallas? I'm not sure. He I haven't should. seen he's it. He's good. But he was I incredible. I, I think haven't they read love that him. he got cut. I think yeah. they love him. I haven't him. read that. But when you when you look at that team and you look at the players on offense and defense and, and how incredible it was, and uh, Colin Oliver's sack in Bedlam, and, and oh. every, every now and then I find myself on YouTube watching Brennan Presley's kickoff return and – Yep. That season was just so incredible. I mean, it what was. was it like for you guys? Oh, I mean, is it, it is it 
hard to limit your emotion when calling uh, games like that? I don't try to limit my emotion. I mean, people can call me a homer. I am. I'm for one team. So uh, I don't try to limit my emotion. I try not to go too far over the mm-hmm. top, but I think the inflection in my voice, whether I'm upset at a call at a basketball game or uh, I will I'm say excited that is, about what's going on on the football field. That is my favorite thing that you do. <laughs> Sean Sutton, you say, he used to laugh and say, you're going to get a T. I said, well, it'd be worth it. And Foul I'm on number zero, Avery. Well, you can the, feel yeah, the eye well roll. on the Cowboys. It's my favorite good, thing. What I'm saying is, good grief, what are these officials doing? Yeah. I don't say, I've only had one official come over to me. Uh, I'm trying to think of his name now. I can see his face. Great guy. He's like, did I hear some sarcasm in that call? It wasn't his call. It was somebody else. And I go, I don't think so. He goes, I think I did. He goes, it's hard enough on us. So, whenever he would be there, and he's retired now. Is that a Higgins I would call? tone it. No, it wasn't Higgins. <laughs> I, I would tone it down a little bit when he was there. I can't, remember, I can't believe I can't think of his name. Great guy. But the rest of the time, I would still bring it out and just be a little bit disgusted. But That's uh, my favorite but, thing that you do. Well, I appreciate it. But <laughs> is, it, is it hard to tone down my enthusiasm? I try not to because I think mm-hmm. – the announcer in a, of a game, whether you're on the air uh, calling radio or TV or, or you're on the PA like I am, the enthusiasm in your voice can just take the crowd to another level, meaning yeah, they're already excited, but when they hear you put an exclamation on it, it's just going to bring them up a little bit, and I think that's my job on the mic, so I don't try to tone it down. How's game game day production how much has that changed just oh. over just over your I mean, just the, the last, last five years? Yeah, five yeah. Years. yeah I mean, so let me crazy. just tell you, when I started, I was up there in the booth, and there was a big box right to my right that had a CD player and had all the mixer. So I was in charge of the mixer. I was in charge of what song I was going to play next. So I'd be going, how about some Bachman-Turner Overdrive? All right, I'd be putting it in and trying to go uh, second down, whatever, you know. So I'm doing all this, and I've got all these reads to do, and I've got a couple of spotters, and i got Chuck Shelsky down here. He may be still mad at me that first year, you know, uh, that I've replaced him. Uh, so that's how far we've come because now we've got people that, that their job is just the music, and their job is just the video board putting up uh, special effects, and somebody else is directing the show because we got we have this massive video board, and you've got you've got Keith Helt used to be Tia on the headset directing traffic like band get ready you're up next band get ready ten seconds and and it's it's all choreographed and I think you've seen how we've elevated the entertainment that's what I kind of started off with saying when we started this the entertainment level has gone up so high I think you can put our production up against just about anybody now. have you? had a Dorado moment with uh, with him playing You Dropped a Bomb on Me instead of the fight song for a home run yet? Have <laughs> you, know, you, have you I, heard that no, story? I haven't heard that story. So, uh, Ali P or, uh, you know, play the fight song, you hit a home run, score a run, play the fight song. Okay. In the middle of the inning, you play songs. Well, obviously the Gap Band out of Tulsa, you're playing yep. You Dropped a Bomb on Me. TD forgot to flip the tape over. Oh, yeah, and so tape. They, that's how far back TD so goes. you hit a home run, and they're rounding the base. CD guy here. Right? He hits play, and all of a sudden it's <laughs> gapping, and yeah. everyone's, like, freaked out. <clears throat> Crowd goes bananas. Yeah. yeah. And that was it. It was a simple mistake. It's, it's simple. so – we've all made – you guys have – if you're on the air, you're going to make a mistake sometimes. So, I always tell my buddy Keith Anderson, who's had about, I don't know, four or five top ten hits in country music, lives in Nashville, one of my best friends from – Jimmy and I's hometown of Miami, Oklahoma, and uh, he got married, uh, and they're now divorced, so that tells you where this went. But anyway, uh, I have to go down to Decatur, Texas to be in his wedding, right? And it's Friday night before we're playing Baylor at like 11 a.m., 
Fall and, weddings. Oh, God. I'm like, what are you doing to me? So we go down there. Of course, I'm planning on driving back right after uh, the wedding. And he's like, no, no, you got to stay. And we, yeah, all right. So we stay. We drive, you know, we actually, we got up early. We ended up spending the night, got up early. I slept like two and a half hours. We drive here. I get to the game in plenty of time. All right, I'm getting kind of set. But I am just dead to the world. I'm not good without sleep. And so I'm on two and a half hours sleep. And, and I think uh, uh, RG3 was playing in this one, right? And, and we're, we're kicking their tail, if I remember. I want to say we got at 42 nothing. That might have been that game. Remember yeah. when they, they oh, can't yeah. do anything? He's throwing his helmet on the sideline. But um, we get a first down. And instead of saying Cowboy first down and 10, I said, Touchdown, Cowboys. I was at that game. Yeah. I remember yeah. that, yeah. So, and the funny thing is, I don't even realize it at first, and all my, my spotters are looking at me. I'm like, what? And they go, you said touchdown. I go, I did. Oh, my God. So, then I said first down at the 30-yard line. Next play is a touchdown. <laughs> but the funny thing was, our students, when I said touchdown, Cowboys, they started doing this. <laughs> so, all the students on that side Still are doing just going, the wave. we'll just go with Larry. It was a touchdown, yep, you know, so stuff. it was pretty funny. But then what happens is my buddies, some of our donors are lighting me up, you know. What the heck did you say? I mean, it's always your friends that give you the most grief. Of course. Yeah. Do you try to? Do you have the phone right there with you? For I mean, I do. because I was going to say people have to be blowing you up all game. A lot of times they're like, "Hey, what happened on that player? How hurt is so and so?" You know, and sometimes I don't know the answer, but I might be able to find it out. But I'm usually uh, I'm I'm kind of bad at going uh, trying to answer them real quick and still do them. Again, I've got good spotters been up there with me forever. Now I will say, all of our eyes are getting older, so. If you hear me call something wrong, it's their fault. I'm going to start right? texting I'm just Larry you, during it's, the it's game. I think you should, yeah. It's definitely the spotter's fault. But hey, I Larry, do, Zach in the press I do, box yeah, here. I do, answer, I do answer some, and, and uh, they keep an eye on things for me. Hey, so, Stillwater has a little bit of an interesting relationship right now with Nashville. You, you brought up mm-hmm. um, Keith Anderson. Yep. We got Garth Brooks out there. We got our buddy Stormy, Stormy Warren out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, talk a little bit about some of the guys over there in Nashville, that, and, and I'm sure you get to call on them and – yeah, it, it's fun. You know, we, we've just got uh, – I mean, I, I, it goes back to my first real uh, in touch with anybody from here that was in Nashville would have been two of the guys from Restless Heart. That goes way back. But those guys, Dave Jennings and uh, – I'll think of the other one here in a minute. Greg Jennings and David – Dave – it'll come to me in a minute. Anyway, two members of Restless Heart, they had 30 – Top uh, at 30 number one hits, I think it was. I mean, they were really good. And, and uh, of course, there's guys out there that uh, were record producers. And, and of course, Garth changed the game. And Keith followed them out. I mean, we got a lot of guys. I mean, Oklahoma in general, there's so many uh, people that have been difference makers in country music. But I, I love to go to Nashville, put it that way. It's it's fun. And Stormy it, it has become a really good friend. And, and of course, now he's – Beard off of Sirius XM with Garth on the sevens. I don't know if you guys have listened. Yep. It's good stuff. Yep. Very good. It's really good stuff. It's easy if you if you put on tune in radio and you put on uh, the big six one five. The next time you get in the car, it'll sync up. It's going again. It's yep. not like it's a lot of work to do it, so it's pretty easy. But I'm happy for Stormy. But I love. Uh, the fact that he's got a kid here now, and uh, he really uh, tried to get kid, kid uh, here. He tried to get kid number one here, uh, and that didn't work out. He went yeah, to he Knoxville went to with friends, paler but, uh, shade of orange. Yeah, but, that's know. right, kind of a yellowy shade of orange. <laughs> but uh, but Stormy is such a diehard and such a great representative of us, and and uh, is always promoting us on whatever uh, station he's on or whatever system he's on, and. You know, his dad played football here back mm-hmm. in the day, and and uh, I just love still his got connection. Photos up of him, yeah. In the, in you the know, he and his, he tells the story of he is his sons are walking through there, and one of his sons goes, "Isn't that the shirt that?" 
granddad gave you? Yep. And then he was like, what? That's granddad. Yeah. I mean, what are the odds <laughs> out not, of all the pictures? It's not like the Over shirt, time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's him. That's granddad. So, pretty cool uh, story, but just really cool connection. I think Stormy's taking some classes, going to – be an OSU grad one of these days before too long. Yeah, we so uh, we had him on. That. Was it during the season or was it, it before the it season? It was last year. It was in October. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it was uh, it was October, November. Uh, was in Dallas on a <clears throat> fall wedding. What is uh, it's up I, with you people? Larry yeah. had two of them last year. Uh, I two waited. Of them. I thought it was I don't, done. With I just this. don't go to those. I've got an excuse. I just I waited until excuse. the second There's week of December. That yeah. need me. Yeah. I waited until bowl practice. All right. Yeah. So my folks that makes more sense. That my folks have been season ticket holders for I don't know how many years, and they said, Zach, just why do you need to get married during football? You're season? my firstborn. You were born here in Stillwater. We lived near campus. We lived yeah. on married student housing. But I swear, I'm not giving up my tickets <laughs> to go to your wedding. And so and we, that makes complete sense to me. Yeah. So we had to 12, 12, 15, and so we waited until bowl season. And Robert yeah. was pissed. I'll tell you that. Robert yeah. was real mad. I, I took a couple of days off to actually had my uh, honeymoon here at Hideaway. Yeah. Yeah. You Well, hold on. You had your honeymoon at Hideaway? or Yeah. So I she was. <laughs> wait she's a, a minute. Wait. So she's a nurse, <laughs> and so she's details. super busy. And I work for Robert and radio station, so I'm super busy. So this was our honeymoon. We just came and oh, ate a bunch of pizza and then went home. Yeah, and nothing wrong with that. Watched TV and fell asleep. That's that a heck is, of a honeymoon, You are man. such a romantic. Yeah. You really you. are. By he, the way, you show. mentioned Nashville. Tim Dubois and Scott Hendricks were the two guys that went out there. Heiress to Records and just, I mean, they discovered, I think, Vince Gill, Brooks and Dunn. I mean, Restless Heart, like I mentioned earlier. Those guys, if you don't know Tim Dubois and Scott Hendricks, look them up because you'll stick your your uh, bright orange loving chest out because they're a couple of our guys that really transformed Nashville. So, so in your seat in Gallagher-Iba, you have the center seat. Right, Are you I'm, I'm a little bit pretty off close. center now. He's I like used to be close. right next to the book. It's like right. what five or six so, from the end, I think. Yeah, so I'm, I'm down more by the radio crew for the visitors a little bit. So, but I'm I'm down a little bit. I used to be right dead center, and now with you know somebody's got to be doing the replay boot the replays, and so you got to have somebody there, and so they moved me down a little bit. So I'm a little bit further away from the book than I like because it used to be nice to be right next to Pat Hoffler who did it for 45 years, and then. Uh, to Dr. Lee Manzer, one of my favorite people on earth. I love being right next to him because we could check on each other and keep each other straight, but it's a little tougher down where I am now. But I love the seat, don't get me wrong. What What do you think is the loudest that arena has been that you can remember? Um, what, what's something that uh, a game that just pops off, you know, man, you went home and your ears were ringing? Well, there was one night where uh, we were playing Kansas and I was a student sitting in the end zone. And um, if uh, Kansas makes one of two free throws i think they beat us and uh or or i think it was beat us maybe it was tyus i can't remember but it was shaking so much the the backboard was shaking but as far as the loudest i would i would still go back to that missouri game right after the plane crash because our fans wouldn't let us lose i'll tell you there's been spikes in there where things went crazy i mean that the craziest game i've ever seen was the triple overtime, Kevin yep. Durant's only time in. He, you know, he, I always tell people he, Kevin Durant never won in Gallagher Ave Arena. Uh, but uh, you know, when when uh, when we hit the uh, flying out of bounds, Byron Eton, you know, that, there was a pretty good spike on that one as far as uh, rowdiness and and noise level. But uh, there's been so many great victories in there, even during just my time, that uh, it's hard to pinpoint just one. But uh, yeah, one of my one of my favorites was was OU uh, it was Bedlam. I don't know 2000. What was the final four year? 2004. 
Oh four. Oh four. Whenever uh, when we played here, I was I was standing, you know, as as far away as Zach and I are right now, screaming into my friend's ear. Uh, it was Jay screaming into Jay's ear, and he's going, "What?" Yeah, I'm like so you crazy. couldn't you couldn't yeah. hear. That place and, is so special. And I I believe that was didn't Kelvin Samsef take two timeouts because yeah. they they tried to huddle up near on their normal bench. Yeah, yeah good and luck. Couldn't hear. And they had to move the bench out to. Uh, yeah, to, I mean, which, our, our fans really can make a difference, there's no doubt. And, you know, I didn't mention Country's half-court shot. That one was pretty loud, but you got to realize uh, we're down with, like, no time left, so a lot of people were leaving. And Coach Sutton used to tell the story afterwards that, you know, that night there might have been, been 4,000 people still left in there because it looked like we were going to lose. They were heading out. Uh, but, uh, you know, give it 10 years, there'll be 100,000 people who were there. I think that's probably true, but – that night, the place did go crazy, even though it was a uh, smaller capacity because we were down three, and uh, country hits that. And I, uh, Norm Stewart came down and started berating me, and I'm probably in my uh, my second, third year of announcing, and he's just yelling at me saying we didn't start the clock. And being a team player, I finally looked at him, and I held my mic up, and I pointed down at Kent Bucker said, you ought to yell at him. So he went down and started, <laughs> started yelling at Kent Bucker because he was the clock guy. But the reason Storm and Norman was storming at us, he knew they had lost. Even though all we did was tie it on country's half-court shot, he knew there was no way we were winning. We outscored him like 13-2 to two in the overtime and kicked him out of Stillwater. You go back to you go back to old GIA, and I, I'll say now, like I am such a big, big fan of them moving the student section back behind. Yeah. Yes. Like, I, I get it, right? I mean, you've got a lot of money. You've got a lot of money. You've got a lot of donors, you know. But having the student section behind the benches oh. is incredible. Well, it's kind of an idea from Duke, and, and just it looks so good on TV, and the students can really make a difference. Let's be honest. The students drive it all as Absolutely. far as the rowdiness. And then when the students are rowdy and getting crazy, that makes our alums get crazy and feel like they're back in college, and here we go, and we're – we're making a difference for the home team, no doubt about it. But, uh, yeah, I, I I like having them back there. It sometimes gets loud where we can't hardly talk to each other on scores table, but that's a good thing. That's a good problem. But I, it was difficult. I had to make a lot of those phone calls to people who had had those seats for 35 and 40 years. And it, they were not happy. They were frustrated. But I tell you, the receipt went so well that now the people that used to be behind me are right across, and now they're looking at our bench and – it was just change, and change is hard. But now I think most of them would tell you it's all right. They're okay with it, and, and they like their new seats. Well, I appreciate, uh, certainly appreciate all the time. Uh, we don't want to try to keep you much longer. Just kind of got a couple more questions okay. here. You know, when, when you look at this upcoming season and the, the optimism and, you know, I don't want to try to dwell on last year because when, when you lose, what, 45 to 50% a year, two and three deep. I mean, that's that's impossible yeah. to win. But when you look at the optimism of this upcoming year, you know, how excited are you for this year? Or is it, you know, is it the same every year going into it? You know, the level of excitement or optimism, oh. or is it, does it vary year to year? I think you're optimistic every year if you're an OSU Cowboy. But I think uh, some years you're a little bit more optimistic because you see what's there. And mm-hmm. I got really fired up when I saw Alan Bowman. He uh, looks good. I, you know, well, 
Not only that, just when I heard that they got him, I don't follow the portal. I'm just like, it has to land, and I go, oh, that's good. I didn't know he was available. I'm like, that may be perfect. Well, we you look at the games guy. he played in Stillwater against Oklahoma State, and you're like, oh, okay, he plays well in Stillwater. Have, have, that kid will be all right. Yeah, take him. Yeah. To have an older guy in here, a veteran, that can help the younger guys come along, and, and he's a leader. Yes. I mean, I, I've had uh, one of our staff members tell me that they compared him to the best leader we've ever had at quarterback, and that's Josh Fields. Mm-hmm. Josh Fields was so naturally good at just being friends with everybody, defense, offense, everybody's pulling together. And in the weight room, uh, if the offense is having a big lift, the, defender, the defenders are over there cheering them on and vice versa, and that doesn't hardly ever happen. And so I think we've got good things ahead because we have leadership. We might have had a little bit of a lack of enough enough leadership last year plus you had all the injuries I think we've got more leaders this year I think Alan Bowman is going to help the young pups the younger guys I think you go to practice you see them kind of follow him around but also give it up to Garrett Rangel he's not saying he's not saying well they brought an older guy in I just I mean he's like I'm not giving this up and he has looked really good so I actually think we we're going to see a couple of quarterbacks play and then uh, Gundy has looked really good too. Yeah. So I like the fact that we got three quarterbacks. Plus, you got a stud in floors sitting back there that can maybe just kick back and learn and get better and let the game slow down for him. So I'm excited about that. So when you were in the indoor the other day, or was the scr- it was a scrimmage in the indoor? Or no, was it, it was in the stadium. So when you walked into the stadium and you saw a 345, 355 pound boulder at nose guard yeah. and Justin Kirkland. What <laughs> yeah. were your thoughts on him? Well, I saw him God. in – I saw him at practice one day in the indoor, and he just looks like a tree trunk. I mean, he his, actually, his thighs look like tree trunks. I mean, he is just massive. They're not going to move him. I think he's going to be a difference maker in there. And we didn't talk defense, but it sounds to me like Coach Nardo's got a very simplified system that our guys have bought into. Our defense has looked great. Now, hopefully that doesn't mean our offense isn't very good, all that's right? You the, never know during the practice. That's part. You know, during camp, you never know. But uh, it sounds like our guys have bought into it in a hurry, and it's simple enough that they ought to be able to read and react and go. And that's what you want them to do. That's what Knowles was able to do in year three. Yeah. I'm hoping Nardo does it uh, more quickly. And it sounds like uh, that may be happening. Not that we're not going to have a hiccup here and there, but uh, I, it sounds like Nardo's the real deal. And what proved that to me is when Gundy took the entire staff exactly. to do the interviews and they all walked out of there going, that's the guy. What, what gives me optimism, and I'm last thing on football for me anyway, and I, I, I want to end this. You know, We, like, we have CJ's question. I want to end talking Victor Hovland because why not? You have to. But what makes me optimistic about this defense, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, but when you look at the leadership, you look at the veteran experience. I mean, you return a guy like Kendall Daniels, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Yep. You look at Colin Oliver, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. He's in a he's in a, a rover-type position there in the middle. You brought in a guy like Justin Kirkland, who the offensive line cannot move. Right. You've got guys like Justin Wright. You have guys that and, – and I want you to go back throughout your entire time of calling Mike Gundy games. How many freshmen? How many – redshirt freshman how many even true sophomores does he play in his time he doesn't really do that and you look at the true freshmen and redshirt freshmen that played last year that are now in the two deep that are that are making active roles they're experienced I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that this defense is going to be as good as that 21 defense but when you look at the talent and the experience and the guys that played a ton of games over the last couple of years I am optimistic that this defense is Maybe not skip a beat, but I think this defense is going to be pretty good. I agree. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm anxious to see them. And, again, 
Coach Nardo has jumped up quite a bit here to this just, level. Just a touch. But the guy's a football coach, it yeah. sounds like. Now, I think he's also not an ego guy, so he's not going to just stick with what he, by God, wants to do. I think he's willing to evolve and say, all right, this didn't work. We're going to tweak this. And so I'm excited to watch him work. But there'll be, like I said, a couple of hiccups somewhere in a long season, there's no doubt. But I, I, to hear the optimism defensively gets me excited. And I, and I think the maybe we're not as – maybe we can't be as good as 21 in year one of a D.C., but I think our offense can be better than they were, and our defense can be really good, and that can be a heck of a combo. What do you guys think about the new, the new rules, the new play clock rules, the new game clock rules? How is that going to affect uh, college football as a whole? But Oklahoma State, as we're as we're transitioning to some of that old school run, now that clock's going to keep running. It's going to keep keep the defense off the field uh, by design. I think a little bit. Yeah, I haven't really looked too far into that, so I'll let you guys talk more about that than me on the on the changes because uh, I've heard a little bit about them, but I haven't looked in depth yet. So yeah, well, I think that you know, with uh, the watching the USC game the other night, that clock just kept rolling. I mean, it was yep. it just kept going. I I love football, I love college football, I love Oklahoma State football. There's nothing. I'm doing the pre games again this year with TD, so I'm yep. three hours at the student union, and then I'm up in the box an hour before. I'm not a big fan of four, four and a half, five hour yeah. football games. Those games so, against Texas Tech, oh. you can do without. Yeah. So, so if we're if we're talking Get the clock rolling, yes, I, I'm right. not saying it needs to be like college softball, hour and a half, two hours. But if if you can get in and out of a football game for three three and a half if hours, you could do three hours. Yeah, that's yeah, a, think, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying drastic two hours, cut it in half. But you can get to three three and a half. That's a that's yeah. a sweet spot right there. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm anxious to see all the changes. Uh, you know, the pitching clock doesn't thrill me. I don't know that it's doing much, but uh, you know maybe some of the tweaks they're doing in football will help it. Just speed up just a little bit. All right, so we, we, we've got a listener question. That's right. And an audience question. CJ is here. My son CJ is here. He has a question for you. All right. So this is a scenario. Middle of the second quarter, and you have to go to the bathroom. Oh, yes. How do you do this that? This has happened. You know, uh, luckily, this is a great question, CJ, But because uh, there have been these times. I remember calling a World Series game when Sandy Fisher was still the coach here, and I was on the radio, and I think it was 14 or 15 innings long. And Oof. finally, about the, the 13th inning, I'm like, all right, we're between innings here. We're going to take a uh, we're going to take a three minute break. You don't normally do that <laughs> in softball, but I'm like, I got to run, and I sprinted off there. But to answer your question, if I had to uh, have a bathroom break and we were in the middle of action, first of all, I'm going to hold it as best I can. You know, you got a man up on that, right? But if I had to go and I've got Chuck Lester, who's been announcing uh, the band now for for a long, long time. I think he was in the band for about 21 years, and now he's the band announcer. Chuck works on campus, great friend of mine, one of my spotters. He could easily pop in there and say, you know, first down and 10 for the Cowboys while I was in the restroom. But what I try to do is hold out. Try to make sure you got to you got to figure this out. You got to time this stuff. Like at halftime in Gallagher Iba, I'm running to the restroom because I'm kind of an old man now. And the same thing halftime <laughs> uh, in a football game. But if you get into one of those or you go to overtime, uh, it can be a factor. Luckily, timeouts in football are about three minutes long. So I can usually make it. So does, part, does part Chuck, B hold is, on. Does, does Chuck Lester surprise you ever with how long he can go with a cowboy? He does. Does because, he ever get you? Because in the pregame, I get nervous. In the pregame, 
I always do it with him on the side because I'm always like, I take a big old deep breath. and I. So he does surprise me sometimes because sometimes I'm running way out of air. We kind of laugh about it when he's done. I get but, super uh, nervous that you're, you're, you're getting 10, 15, yeah. 16, 17. There's going to be a crack at the end of it. Yep. I've never had. He's a, he's a pro. One of these games, you need to get, you need to have him on recording and run that thing like thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just keep it yeah, going. No kidding. He runs it long enough. He does a heck of a job. You see and he loves what he does. Out in every and, section. And uh, you know, Chuck's uh, Chuck's dad was the first Pistol Pete to wear the head. So there's a little something for you, uh, you know, and just uh, has a long history at Oklahoma State. I joke with him that he was in the band 20 years, but I bet it was 15. But uh, Well, if you're in band like I was, yeah. you feel like you're in band for 20 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By the way, the band's incredible. Oh, I man. mean, they've been out there on on uh, Old Hedgefield practicing and sweating their tails off, and I don't think we give them enough love. I mean, they, they they bring the passion. They bring they, they bring the enthusiasm, uh, the the ambiance, the sounds of uh, Boone Pickens Stadium that we all can. If they weren't there, man, would we miss them. And, man, they put in the hours. They, they put in every bit as many hours as our football well, team. Well, I've heard a lot of people – I don't want to say a lot. I, I've heard I've heard some talk that, you know, Mike Gundy out there, the video that circulated him yep. talking to the band was just kind of him blowing smoke and coach speak because it seemed that week every college football coach was yep. talking to the band. But if you – if and I know you have. I don't, I don't know if you have, but – if you get Mike Gundy away from Oklahoma State football, you get yeah. him away from donors, you get him away from coaches and staff members and all this stuff, that's real. I mean, it. it, it he'd have said the same thing if there wasn't oh, yeah. someone with a, with a camera there. I well, mean, he, and the I love the fact, you know, he's one of us. He's been around here a long time. He knows what, how hard they My work. My mom and, had class with Mike Gundy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did she ever date Mike Gunny? No, don't ask her that. You never. He's know my that. dad. As a matter of fact, I'm the, just to throw that out there. We're, I, I got 18 years of child support, Mike. We you know, he was a quarterback on campus, but he and Chris have been together for a long time. They're a great couple, and and yeah, I just you know we, not that we can always hire OSU people, but man, when when we do, it seems to work well, out. It and works you can go so through well. the list from. From I mean, you can throw Mike Holder in there. You can talk Eddie Sutton, uh, John Smith, Josh Holiday, Mike. Gunn. I mean, you just. It's amazing the success we have there. And then even look at President, and you uh, you know, uh, Burns Hargis, what a job he did. And now we've got Casey Shrum, who will fight tooth and nail for oh, Oklahoma man. State. And I'm really excited about the youth movement we have with leadership, with our AD, uh, you know, with my, my friend Chad Weiberg, and he's going to be great. He loves this place. And, and uh, Casey Shrum's going to fight tooth and nail. So I think we've got great days ahead. And Luckily, we do still have $300 million to raise over there. I will tell you, we've raised about $7 million for wrestling of a $25 million project, so we've got momentum there. A lot of people want to get wrestling turned around with John Smith and, and that proud program, the greatest program in sports history. Well, it seems like there's going to be a little <coughs> bit of momentum when you're, when you're bringing back a, a, an Olympian – you know, yep. an Olympic medalist yeah. to, to uh, be a head – not a head coach, excuse me, yeah. an associate Coleman head coach. Coleman Scott I mean, coming back, goodness. that's a big deal. And, and then we've raised uh, about $86 million of the $100 million for the Human Performance uh, Center. So, uh, I should say $84 million of the uh, of the $100 million for that Human Performance, which is going to help all of our student-athletes. Football is going to move in there. And then the dominoes are going to start happening where we can make it a student success center in the e, in the west end zone, and we can move uh, academics down there as well and be a hub for students. And then we can put basketball offices right by the practice facility in Gallagher-Iver Arena. Just the dominoes start to fall. Well, and there's there's nothing quite like a money drive 
while there's construction going on. Yep. You, you've got you've got dirt movers and you've got backhoes and uh, yeah. cranes going and and noise. Let's you know what donor A. Let's hop in this golf cart and let's yeah. drive down Hall of Go Fame. Go see what we're doing. Absolutely. And then so. having Lance Walker run the Human Performance Center. I mean, we're going to try – Casey Shrum's idea is we're going to try to help the state of Oklahoma get off all the naughty lists on all the bad health, uh, you know, lists across this country. I mean, we're up there near the top when it comes to diabetes, any of them, uh, uh, obesity, and we've got to do something. And she really thinks that the Human Performance you Center – You think she can we, help me get in there? <laughs> yeah. Human, yeah, I think you could. I bet so. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I bet Rob Glass would personally work you out. I'll have I'll have uh, Robert call Darren. There you, there you go. go. We'll work that, something that, out. You got connections, no yeah. doubt. I think Darren so. was on with uh, Robert today or yesterday uh, since he was a Central Arkansas guy. I think, yeah. yes. Big Linebacker. Weekend. Big yeah. weekend for him. We talked about that when we had him on the, the right. Pokes Report podcast. I bet he won a national championship there, but I bet I know who he's rooting for this weekend. So. Yeah, I don't I don't think – I think he's going to be wearing the orange and black. I don't yeah. think there's going to be any question. Uh, I, I know we're wrapping up. Yeah. Just a shout-out to Victor And Hoblin, that's where I wanted to, to go. To Wyndham Clark. Uh, the two guys finishing the top three. Then, of course, Ricky Fowler, I think, was 16th. And then uh, Eugenio Chikara wins the Asian Open. I mean, mm-hmm. you look, and I think our, our golfers uh, uh, have won 13 major tournaments this year. And then uh, what Victor did is just off the charts. He's going to win some majors. I think some of our other guys, like uh, Wyndham just did. But also, I think Ricky's going to find a way to win one. I mean, it's so proud of that golf program. But shout out to Victor. You know, you don't need a lot of money. To live in Stillwater, apparently, is what he's saying. You know, but, uh, the, he's doing okay. I, he's doing right. I'll argue that claim. <clears throat> you know, I'd like to try to live in Stillwater with $18 million. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I think, think it, it might would be it a easier. A 100%. I think it's easier. Yeah. But I will say this. I mean, uh, of let's see, eight, going on eight years now of covering programs, I, I've had a lot of people that I really, really enjoyed. You know, football, there's an endless number of players that I've enjoyed covering baseball, softball, basketball. Yep. I, I don't know if there's been anyone that I have in, thoroughly enjoyed covering more, spending time with, talking to, interviewing than Victor Hopwood. Yeah, there's not a uh, more humble he human is being. Ju- he is so humble, and, but he's also a quiet assassin, man. Yes. When he's out there, he's just confident he's going to kick mm-hmm. your tail. And he did that for us in 2018 to help us win that national championship Absolutely. at Karsten Creek. What a great representative. So many of those guys are. We, we're so blessed with great representatives. You talked about Nashville and how many we've got there, but – then you just look across the board in every sport. I mean, we are so blessed at Oklahoma State to have the kind of people we have. No question. And, and uh, you know, just uh, I, I did reach out to Vic and said, hey, let's relive that U- U.S. amateur moment, and I'll introduce you on the field, and let's celebrate with the OSU family. And he said, Larry, that sounds great. We'll, we'll do it at some point, but I want to kind of – I want to lay low now that I'm home. I think he wants to relax a little bit. He's been busy. Yeah. Totally get that. I think we'll have Vic at a game or two uh, this year, and we can celebrate him. Yeah, well, some of the biggest, uh, you know, crowd cheers whenever they show Ricky Fowler on the sidelines. Uh, I mean, he's he's the fans love him. The PGA fans love him. They're rooting for him so hard to win. He's another great guy, just a humble guy that does the right things. He's such a great. I mean, he is priceless. Wearing that orange on Sundays, and everybody's like, "Why didn't Vic wear orange? Was he going to copy?" Is he going to copy uh, Ricky? I think he had those bright orange pants on on it Saturday. It looked good, didn't they? Look, it looked good. Look dang good. Well, no we've, doubt. we've kept you for an hour. I know this has been incredibly difficult. I, this is my favorite place to record when I eat yeah. beforehand. Yeah. Or, like, I'm I'm struggling. I ate an early yeah, I'm ready lunch. To eat. My and wife and our friends, the Greens, are over there eating in front of us. Yeah. 
That's why I wait. So that's why I choose, like, strategically choose this seat at this table. We're by the exit. Yeah, you don't have to stare at it. I can angle towards the door, yeah. and I that table over there is just far enough. And not many people sit in this room, so I don't have to look at food. Right. But I'm struggling, so I know you are. No, it's time to eat some hideaway Absolutely. pizza, and it's also time for Cowboy football. So thanks to everybody who's bought their tickets. And, and like I always say, just keep wearing that orange, and let's go, Pokes. It's going to be a fun ride. Absolutely. Larry, I appreciate your time as always. Hey, thank you, guys. You do a great job. I that, appreciate you having me on. Well, anytime. We'll, we'll, we'll try to get you when it like settles down just a little bit. All right. Maybe, maybe, maybe we talk a, some basketball. Maybe an off. Yeah, we'll do a basketball for yeah. How about that? Yeah, I just got back from Spain with the team. I think we got good times ahead. I, you I know, think, we I think we're better. I think, I, I think we are more skilled uh, all down the line on the team. I, I think we're going to have a fun year. Yeah, and that's the – we talked an hour and didn't talk one bit about this the, the trip to Spain and Europe and basketball season, and, and that's a whole other topic. There's and, a lot and going on around here. I think we could probably spend an hour the, the next time doing that. But, Larry, good. appreciate your time. And that's going to do it for the Pokesport Podcast. Appreciate CJ for joining us. Brian, driving up. Hey, anytime. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Uh, we'll, we'll get together after the first game, uh, most likely a Cowboy victory, but let's hope for a Cowboy victory. That's going to do it. We'll talk to you next time here on PokesReport.com.